Need a recap of Sunday's readings? It's time for Homily Highlights on Mater Day Radio. And today's homily highlight from our good friend, Monsignor Gerard O'Connor, the rector at St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception here in Portland. Today we celebrate the third Sunday of Advent, which is called Gaudete Sunday. It is um, called Gaudete. In the old, before the, the reformers of the Second Vatican Council, all the mass was in Latin, of course, and the entrance antiphon was called the introit, which means he enters, meaning the priest. And... Um, uh, the Latin, the first word of that referred to the Mass. So people could say Gaudete or Rorate or something, and you would know what Mass they were talking about by that first word in Latin. Obviously now um, we don't use the Latin, but our official missal is still in Latin. We use an tr- English translation, of course. But it means rejoice, and it's still today's antiphon, rejoice in the Lord always. It comes from St. Paul. And so on this Sunday, we have a little break or a glimpse of the glory of Christmas coming in this penitential season of Advent. Hence, we light the rose candle and the ministers wear the rose vestments. It's meant to be to give us a glimpse of, you know, that glory of the white and gold of Christmas in the violet of the penitential season. So this is Gaudete Sunday. But I am going to preach, continue the third, ser- third in the homily series on the Eucharist, which the Archbishop has asked us to preach during these four weeks of Advent. First week we talked about the prefigurement of the Eucharist in the Old Testament, the institution of the Eucharist in the New Testament, and specifically the Bread of Life Discourse in John chapter 6. Last week we looked at more doctrinal things from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, things like transubstantiation and concomitance. And today we want to look at some of the effects of the Holy Eucharist on God's holy people. But first of all, I just want to say this, which sort of struck me this week, which I've been talking to all the people in the OCIA program. OCIA is the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults. And these are people that want to enter into full communion with the church. Some have been baptized in other faith denominations. Some have been had no, no faith whatsoever, brought up irreligiously, if you like. And um, some were baptized Catholics, but uncatechized, i.e. they didn't do anything else. So it's a whole uh, beautiful mixture of people that want to come into full communion with the church. So I've been talking to people that were formerly Jehovah's Witnesses, which I must admit, I didn't know too much about Jehovah's Witnesses, apart from, you know, they couldn't have blood transfusions and things like this, and they didn't celebrate Christmas and Easter which is unusual for a Christian religion, right? Not to celebrate Christian and Easter. Um, But then uh, people that come from mainstream sort of conservative evangelical churches here in uh, in the States as well. And so I've been talking to all sorts of people, getting a view on what they believe or what their, their faith denomination believes. And one thing that struck me, sort of after, I don't know, it came to me yesterday afternoon, it just sort of bashed me in the face. I think the massive difference here between us Catholics and more or less everybody else, take the Orthodox out of this story, but us Catholics and everybody else say, is the Holy Eucharist. It is the Eucharist. It's no, you know, I've been going on about this for the last three weeks. It's the central mystery of our faith. It's the source and summit of the Christian life, right? And when you look at the practices of, say, evangelicals in the States, they come together, they may have mega churches and they may have much more entertaining liturgy than we do. In fact, in the press recently, there's one of the 
evangelical mega churches with this Christmas show that is like uh, Cirque du Soleil or something like this, like a Las Vegas show, and they've got a lot of criticism for it, right? They've got people dressed as angels on trapeze coming down from this, you know, all this sort of stuff. Very entertaining. But no sacraments. Nothing you can hang your hat on, let alone your soul, right? God's grace is not present in anything but the word of God when you go to these places. You might be entertained. And the same with sort of like Jehovah's Witnesses or anybody else. This is what we don't get. It's like the, this is why we come here. This is why our liturgy is different. This is we have sacred music. This is why we have incense and we have ministers at the altar because that is what's important here. Not my brilliant preaching or the trapeze artist that we're going to get out later on, so stay. Um, all this stuff. No, it's, that's not why we're here. It's here. It's the Eucharist. And that just struck me this week. It's like, because it's not anywhere else. And you know the mega churches come and go and they, they live on their popularity one year and then the pastor moves on and they lose it and they close down and, you know, the Vietnamese community buys their church and things like this sort of stuff. But... It is the Eucharist, the source and sum of the Christian life, the central mystery of us as Catholics. And it's funny because I said this at the last Mass and a family came up to me afterwards and, she's, and they said, absolutely nailed it. They said, we were Seventh-day Adventists. And when we started trying to understand about the Eucharist, that's when we left and we entered the Catholic Church. And that's it. You know, anyway, so I want to talk a little bit about the, the effects of Holy Communion. Of course, when we receive Holy Communion, the principal fruit of receiving the Holy Eucharist is an intimate union with Christ himself. We eat the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ. Imagine what that does to our souls. And we cannot see this, as I said last week, St. Thomas says it so well. Don't even think about doing any of this with your senses. You can't do it. Eyes or taste or smell will not do you any good. It is by faith that we understand the Eucharist. And likewise, it is by, through faith that we understand the effects of the Eucharist on our souls, in our life of grace. When we receive Christ, we come into this uh, amazing union with him that is not like anything else. It is not even like the indwelling of the Trinity in our souls. It is uniquely eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And he says to us in John, the Bread of Life Discourse, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is our nourishment for eternal life. That's the first fruit of the Holy Eucharist, is this union with Christ, the participation in divinity, just as he participates in our humanity. The second fruit is the unity of the mystical body. The Eucharist makes the church and those who receive the Eucharist are united with the mystical body. That is all of us. And not just all of us here today, but all of us throughout the world. All those who are baptized into the body of Christ, the church, all those who live that life. And we're in communion with them. And that's an amazing thing to think of. We're in communion with our Holy Father, the Pope. From the Pope down to the newest baptized baby that will happen here at 12, after this Mass, there'll be baptism. All those people, we are in communion with them and Christ because the bride and the bridegroom go together. The bridegroom and his mystical body, the church. It's an amazing thing to think about, that communion of persons that we have in uh, receiving Holy Communion. 
And then, of course, one of the fruits of the Holy Eucharist is that we do good, hopefully. You know, uh, Christ, we're told in St. Mark's Gospel, went around doing good. Likewise, if we're in communion with Christ, if we're united to Christ, in union with him in an intimate way, we want to go around and do good. The Eucharist motivates us to be good people because if we're like Christ, we want to be truthful, we want to be good, we want to be pure, we want to be just, etc., etc. We want to be like Christ. And all those things make us want to do good outside, in the world. And by receiving Holy Communion, that union with Christ uh, should motivate us to be good to our community. And I think that's very important. You know, the Church says in the Second Vatican Council document, all the apostolates, all the ministries, all the works, all the charitable deeds of the Church flow from the Eucharist and come back, of course, to the Eucharist. That's why the centrality of it in our lives as Catholics is amazing. And when you look at other religions, how can you compare? I mean, that's why if you get it, you get it, right? That's why if you get it, you become Catholic. It's not a matter of, it's just your taste and my taste. It's just a case of we agree to disagree. You believe whatever you like, we'll believe whatever you like. My religion is a little easier, yours is a bit more, you know, whatever. It's not that. Forget that. Ask yourself the question, does Christ exist at the consecration, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, or does he not? And if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Let's go to a megachurch with trapeze artists and things instead. But if he does, then come here without any music, without any ceremony, without any fuss, just to understand what happens at the sacrifice of the Mass. And here's the other thing that sort of hit me as well. We've believed this from the beginning. It wasn't until the Protestant Reformation that we stopped believing this. Some people stopped believing. This is always what Christians have believed. It's not like, you know, we made it up like the Jehovah's Witness in 1870. This is what Christians always believed. This is what they always practiced. Go back, read the documents of the first century about what the Christians were doing. Read the Didache about how it describes the Mass in the first century. It's amazing. But 16th century, people started not believing. And now a lot of people not believe. And the worst scandal of Christian disunity is that we have all these Christian brothers and sisters in the evangelical church that do not have the sacraments. They do not live with the grace of the sacraments that we do. And that's a sort of scandal. Finally, the effect of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is a unity of us Catholics. It brings us all together. You know, St. Augustine says this, O sacrament of devotion, O sign of unity, O bond of charity. He sort of puts it all together. The devotion that is owed to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. It is a sign of our unity that we are unified in Christ. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride. He is the bridegroom. The church is the bride, the mystical body, and we're all together. And it is a bond of charity. The bond of charity is not just with us who are here, not just us who are part of the mystical body of Christ, but everybody in the world, all those out there. We are called to do good, and it's through the Eucharist that we can do that good to the world. And that is today's homily highlight from Monsignor Gerard O'Connor, rector at St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception.